0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, October 2nd, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The president has made numerous changes to various programs that allow foreigners to enter the United States. But why these specific changes? And what does it mean for the United States that it will take fewer refugees this year than in years past? Cato's Alex Narasta comments. The president has altered the travel ban now for a third time. What is the difference now between the previous iterations?
1: The main difference is instead of blocking all people from these countries, in some cases, it singles out certain folks. So in the case of Venezuela, it says if you're related to a government official or certain government officials, then you can't come to the US as a tourist. In others, it's sort of a blanket ban. In the case of Iran— It says uh, you can't come here as an immigrant or a non immigrant visa unless you're a student. So it's a little bit more specific in that way. They also cut out the country of Sudan and added uh, Chad, North Korea,
0: and Venezuela to the list. Okay, so why? I, I, I can have some understanding of Sudan. Why Chad? No one knows.
1: It is a mystery of why Chad is on the list. The one-line justification in the executive order is that they did a thorough review of all of the identity and security procedures in these countries around the world, and they narrowed it down to those that have problems, asked them to fix those problems, and Chad didn't fix its problems. That's fascinating to me because I have a very hard time believing that Chad has a better Identity or security system than say Mali or Malawi or any of these other very poor African countries. In fact, when you look at the continent, only one African country has even an electronic passport, and that's Nigeria. So, the 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 speculation is that uh, Sudan was taken off the list. Sudan, you can travel now to, from Sudan to the United States. There aren't any restrictions on that, like there used to be. Sudan was taken off the list, they think, because they're cooperating with the Yemen bombing campaign, with the UAE, UAE, and Saudi Arabia, and they are contributing troops to the effort. So this is sort of a reward. Taking them off the list is like a reward for their foreign policy actions. So I guess the the, the question is, if that's the case, then how did Chad make American foreign policy? Worse, what did they not agree to? And nobody's been able to figure it out yet.
0: What is the administration asking these countries to do with respect to security?
1: They're asking them to cooperate with U.S. officials to share information on their citizens who come to the United States to make sure they're not violent or property criminals or likely to be national security threats. And then they're supposedly taking a look at the procedures in these countries to make sure that it's a... You know, it's up to basically American standards of uh, security for the issuance of passports and other information.
0: All right. So with respect to refugees, uh, where do we stand now?
1: So the president also in a a separate action without informing the Senate or Congress uh, beforehand uh, cut the number of refugees from 50,000 to 45,000 for the next year. So a 10 percent cut. It's not a huge cut because they already cut it from 110 to 50,000 in this first year. Uh, but it is a substantial 10% reduction in the number of refugees.
0: All right. So where do we, just to get a picture of what this uh, refugee order means, where do we stand now with the available or numbers of people seeking refugee status? Well, the number of
1: people overseas who have refugee status is at a world-time high of over 60 million. The United States has typically settled the greatest number of them um, permanently through refugee status in the United States. Now we've cut our f- number down to uh, basically uh, around half of the, of, of the number in the last year of the Obama administration and more than half below what it was supposed to be in 2017. So we're looking at a pretty dire humanitarian situation around the world. The United States has cut the inflow of refugees substantially, and that seems to be where we're standing. Is that they want to? They're probably going to continue cutting it in future years.
0: For countries or for individuals in countries that are ravaged by war or uh, other government policies that are causing them the serious problems or threats to bodily harm, uh, what kind of steps? Do you have to go through in order to earn that status of uh, a refugee uh, able to come to the United States?
1: Basically, you have to leave your home country where the conflict is. You have to go to another country and register as a refugee with the United Nations. You are either then in a refugee camp or in most cases outside of a camp sort of living in that country under refugee status. The UN then under you know takes starts a process where they start looking at people, screening them for national security, see who's in dire need, etc, uh, screens out almost everybody for those reasons and has a small pool of people left over, and then recommends that small pool of people to countries like the United States or Germany or Japan for resettlement purposes. The U.N. and then the United States then starts a process of winnowing down that group further by looking at national security uh, concerns, doing more detailed uh, checks on their histories to make sure that they are from where they say they are. They run their statements against people who are from the same town who are also in the U.N. refugee databases. They make sure they're of need. And you go through about an additional 23 steps – That in the case of Syrians take about three years to complete um, and then the lucky few that remain through that are then able to
0: resettle in the United States. So it's a pretty complicated process.
1: It's complicated. It's thorough. It takes a very long period of time and very few people make it through and if there's any doubt – about any of these, you know, whether this person is of genuine need, whether they're a national security threat or not, whether they're a criminal or not, whether they lie or not, if there's any doubt about it, any, any step here, they get thrown out. I mean, they're just pushed out um, of the process entirely. There's not like an appeals process. There's no wiggle room. Um, they've People running in, our government and the United Nations, view it as uh, better safe than sorry.
0: So... With respect to uh, the refugees and the United States refusing to accept as many as it has in the past, uh, is there a precedent for the U.S. reducing the number of refugees that it allows in?
1: Yes. So after 9-11, the United States did reduce the number of refugees uh, for several years in order to put in place better national security checks, better vetting procedures, etc. So they had a list of goals they wanted to accomplish – They knew how to accomplish them, they started it, and in the process, they wound down the program substantially in order to do that more effectively. Uh, But then they pumped it back up as soon as those procedures were in place. So this is different, though, because it's not like the administration is saying we need to accomplish these steps or these goals. There are these things we need to do. It's sort of very vague, uh, very general, and they just want to cut the numbers. That's it. What about the run-up to World War II? While there was actually no refugee program at that time. The first refugee program was created in 1948.
0: But in terms of asylum?
1: The asylum system or the the people who were fleeing because of humanitarian reasons, right? Like those people who were coming here for then. The United States during the Great Depression did not allow Germans or German Jews to come over in any substantial numbers. In fact, during that decade of the 1930s, Uh, From basically 1933 to 1940, the quota for Germans and Austrians coming to the U.S. uh, was basically half filled every year. So if they had just set aside that number of slots for Germans and Austrians and set aside and say, "Okay, we're going to let Jews and other groups who are being persecuted – um, under the Nazis come to the United States, uh, then uh, I believe it's more than 100,000 would have been able to leave and come during that time period. But the United States government, head by FDR, blocked that uh, despite Eleanor Roosevelt's uh, pleading. Um, uh, did not, uh, President, Ro- uh, President Roosevelt did not allow that. And uh, he gave entirely political reasons that it wasn't popular.
0: How much of this, uh, specifically with respect to uh, refugees, how much of this do you think dovetails specifically with the economic views of uh, the president and his advisors? I think
1: it's hard to tell exactly. The economic because it's,
0: it's yeah, it's, it's, it's not clear that it's an economic argument that is at, at least being adv- advanced, if not stated explicitly.
1: Yeah. So the argument that they use is usually more economic uh, in the administration. They tend to rely on the fact that, and there are problems with the refugee program, uh, that it's kind of expensive. Uh, these people might or might not be a fiscal burden based on the evidence. It's actually kind of tricky and hard to figure that out. Um, so there, there is more of an argument for refugees than for other immigrants the solution to that is private sponsorship but that's a different discussion the other argument you hear a lot by the anti-refugee advocates and on social media and in news stories on places like Breitbart is that these people are just not able to culturally assimilate they're culturally alien they're A lot of them are Muslim and that that is a uh, threat to the United States beyond the fiscal or economic impact. The national security aspect is also something people are worried about. The fear of seeing Syrians or or other refugees in Europe who have been uh, supposedly involved in some terrorist attacks or some evidence. Some of them have been uh, very few, though. Uh, has made a lot of people wary of uh, refugees, um, despite the fact that from 1975 to the end of 2015, only three Americans were murdered in a terrorist attack committed by refugees on U.S. soil. There's still a lot of fear about them.
0: And again, contrast that with the likelihood of being killed by someone who is born in the United States.
1: Yeah, so the likelihood of being um, just murdered in a normal homicide in the United States is about 1 in 14,000 per year the likelihood of being murdered by a refugee terrorist is about 1 in 3.64 billion per year during that time period. So your odds of being murdered in a normal homicide is about 255,000 times great. So it's a pretty pretty small um, chance of being killed in a refugee terrorist attack, and the last one was in the late 1970s. Uh, By contrast, there have been um, about... 450 Americans who have killed other Americans in terrorist attacks on U.S. soil during that time period. So we're talking about that the chances of being killed by another American in terrorist attack is about 150 times
0: as great. Alex Narasta is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.